Welcome to the Moving Through Fear Marathon Meeting. My name is Greg. I'm a compulsive reader, anorexic and bulimic, and your speaker for this meeting. Hi, everyone. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please make sure. This session is being recorded. All participants are required to sign the release form, which is up here on the podium. This, uh, to protect your anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Please remember, OA members affiliated with, affiliated with related facilities or other 12-step programs are requested to speak on their recovery in the OA program only. An Ask It Basket will be circulated for the question and answer portion of this session. Thanks. If there is any press in the room, please respect our anonymity by not taking any pictures, using a video camera, or using our full names. So the format for this session is as follows. I will share for 25 minutes, followed by questions and answers for five minutes, followed by open sharing. An Ask a Basket will be passed around. Please place your, place your questions in the basket for our speaker. And the to- topic for this se- session is moving through fear. And so hi, my name is Greg. I'm a compulsive reader, anorexic and bulimic. Hi, hi, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight. It's good to see you all. Um, it's moving through fear, and I've got a lot of fear right now about speaking, so I'm in the right place. <laughs> so I'll start by qualifying. I've been in program since 2006. My top weight is about 50 pounds heavier than I am right now. My bottom weight's about 20 pounds or so lighter than I am right now. Um, I will have seven years of abstinence tomorrow. So I am so grateful for this program. Thank you. I'm passing around some pictures. There's one picture with a post-it note on it. Um, there's a post-it note on it because that's some food that's typically associated with birthdays. It's really hard for me to find a photo of myself without food, so <laughs> we have to kind of make do because that's really the only time I would let anyone take pictures of me is at like parties because I'd be focusing on the food and they would like sneak a picture. But um, you know, I wasn't one for picture taking. So I'm going to talk about what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. And there's kind of like we've. Um, my experience, strength, and hope with fear into that. And, um, you know, I am a fear-based person. You know, my sponsor jokes that she's not carbon-based, she's fear-based, and I completely agree with that. Like, fear has ruled my life for so many years, and it's just in this program that I'm learning now to actually um, to move through that fear and to deal with the fear in a healthy way because before, my, my way of dealing with it was eating, or not eating, or exercising. You know, that was just kind of how I coped. And it's through this program that I'm learning that I don't have to do that anymore. And, you know, my, my eating disorder started off when I was a boy, um, probably at 8 or 10 years old. And it wasn't so much binging, but I was restricting. Um, I would put myself on little diets and measure out my snacks. And um, I just felt like, I mean, at the time I didn't realize, like, I was just trying to control 
I really felt scared a lot of the time. I felt really uncomfortable around other children. I didn't know what they were going to do. I felt so much more comfortable around adults. I felt like they were safe. A lot of my childhood, I didn't feel like I was safe. Not that I was like in an abusive home or anything like that, but I just constantly felt like I wasn't okay and that I needed to be safe and that I just felt afraid all the time. And um, and I, I saw I looked to to food for comfort, and food, you know, quote unquote, fixed it at that time. And um, you know, just my entire life of just being afraid, whether it's afraid of talking to people, going to new places, um, trying new things. You know, honestly, like I'm fine, like talking to people now sometimes if I know you but if I don't know you I really don't want to talk to you because I'm totally afraid of you and um, fear has just been really kind of like a paralyzing thing throughout my life and you know it just I'm afraid of trying new things and just these patterns have just been throughout my entire life but they definitely started when I was a kid and it was really scary and I used food to cope with that I remember the first time, well, the first time when I went away to college and I chose a college that was six hours from my parents' home. And I remember just the first couple of days just hiding in my dorm room because I just didn't know what to do. Like, all these new people, uh, I am really freaked out. Like, I don't have any friends. I don't have, um, I'm not comfortable. I don't know what to do. And so, like, I just ate. (laughs) You know, like, what else was there? And so, um, for me, my eating disorder, like, I am a compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. Um, my pattern for many, many years was to restrict what I was eating during the day. And that for me looked like no fat whatsoever. Everything was light, this fat free, that, and then after work or after school, I got home and then the binging would start and I would go to various different restaurants or stores, pick up my binge foods, come home, sneak them into my bedroom, eat them in front of the TV. And, um, and, and then try to get rid of all, like, the garbage from that without anyone seeing. And then typically, you know, purge, maybe get some more food, maybe go for a run until I purge, um, you know, and then tell myself, okay, I'm never going to do this again. This is going to be the last time. And then repeat the cycle, you know, the next day and the next day and the next day. And I did these things for 10 years. And, um, you know, and there was, you know, many different reasons. I am a food addict. Um, but reality is like I was angry, resentful, and scared. And fear has been a huge motivator in my life um, to not do things. <laughs> I felt comfortable at home by myself in front of the TV. That was where I felt safest, you know, shoveling food down my, th- down my throat. You know, I was af- afraid at work. I was afraid of what other people were thinking of me, afraid to talk to men, afraid of having sex. What are people going to think of me? Am I pleasing the other person? Um, you know, just just really kind of overwhelmed with fear. And, you know, coming into this program, recognizing that, like, it's not so much like a being a moral issue, but more of a character defect was really helpful for me because I just thought, like, you know, stop being so stupid. Stop being so weak. You know, suck it up. Be a man and do it. And um, and I couldn't. And um, and instead, I just ate over it. So that was kind of like what it was like. It was just, you know, I was just really a miserable, unhappy person, and not really knowing how to live life on life's terms. I wanted everything to be a certain way you know, a way that I felt comfortable, like I wanted my routine and I wanted no variation from it because otherwise it was just too much for me. And so, 
you know, coming into this program and putting down the food, you know, all these feelings came up for me. And I was like, I don't know what to do with these things. Like, what do I do with all this fear? I, I just had, like, no clue. I just really felt paralyzed. I mean, there have been times in my life where, um, that's probably important to mention, where I actually didn't leave my house for about six months. Um, when I was, I was after college, I went back in with my parents, and I was so overwhelmed with fear and shame about how I looked and how I might be perceived by people, and I didn't leave my house. Like they had to drag me places, and I just I couldn't deal with it. I was so so incredibly scared. I was, um, and I didn't know what to do. And so coming into this program, I was, you know, I'm getting abstinent. I was like, okay, what do I? What am I going to do with these things? Like, I just didn't know. And so my sponsor's like, well, this is why you work the steps. And I was like, oh, work the steps. Okay, and so that's what I did. And things definitely got better after working the steps, but there's definitely some things that um, my sponsor had suggested to me to help me with fear because, like, I'm a fear-based person. And, um, you know, the biggest thing that, you know, my sponsors have suggested for me is that, like, you know, I pray. You know, and that I ask my higher power for help. And I do this a lot. You know, I prayed before this started because I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to get up here and speak in front of all you people. Um, but, you know, I, I do service when I'm asked, so I'm here and I'm doing it. And um, so I pray, you know, God, can you just help me do this? Like, I don't want to do this. Can you please just help me do this, please? And um, I do that before anything I have to do that's challenging, whether it's going to be going into work and having to have a a difficult conversation with a coworker, or even like when I know I'm going to have to say something to a sponsee that they're not going to want to hear. It's like, all right, God, you know, help me act with this fear. Help me say what I need to say because, you know, I know that ultimately my, my responsibility as a sponsor is to care more about their recovery than whether or not they like me. And, um, and so I pray before that. I pray before I ask my partner to do something or ask him to do something differently or ask to have one of my needs met. It's like all these things like scare the shit out of me. Like what is somebody going to think of me if I ask them for my needs to get met? Or what if they say no? Or what if they're not pleased with me? You know, like these are all the things that run through my mind about reasons why I can't do what I, I need to do to take care of myself. And it's like, you know, I pray to God and, then, you know, my God, okay, I'm going to show up. I'm going to walk through the door. I'm going to open my mouth, and then you take care of the rest. And so I say, God speaks through me, and then I'm done. And then whatever happens, I just have to turn over that result to my higher power. And so that is really huge for me, like when I'm dealing with things that I don't really want to do. I also am a big writer. I love to write about my fears. And I inventory my fears like it talks about with resentments in the big book. I do the four four columns. I don't write out the columns anymore. I just write a paragraph style. But I do that because it really helps me to see, okay, what is this affecting in me? And what is my part? Because, thank you, because, you know, just like the resentments, my fears come from my character defects. And I can look and see, okay, well, what's going on here that is causing me this much pain? And... For some reason, when I was writing about this, my heart, I actually wrote out a temp step today on fear because I'm speaking and I'm afraid. And then my higher power said, Greg, why don't you share it? And I said, you're crazy. And then he said, share it. And I said, okay. <laughs> and so this is, this is kind of how I do it. So I wrote, dear God, I'm afraid that my share today will suck. I'm afraid of what people will think of me. I'm afraid that people will think I don't have experience, strength, and hope to share. 
I'm afraid I will ramble. I'm afraid I will ramble. I wrote that twice because I'm afraid I'm going to ramble. <laughs> I'm afraid people will think I'm fat. I'm afraid people will be bored. I'm afraid that I won't get all my work done on Monday before I leave for vacation. I'm afraid that I'll forget to do something important. I'm afraid that I'm not good enough at my job and that I'll get fired. I'm afraid that I won't have enough money for my retirement. That's a big fear for me lately because I'm really close to retirement. Um, I'm, I'm afraid that people listening to the recording will think I'm crazy. I'm afraid that I won't be as good as the other speakers. These fears affect my self-esteem, security, and personal relationships. My part is lack of faith and trust in my higher power that I am and I will be okay regardless of what's happened. Even if all my fears come true, I'm still going to be okay. My part is pride, low self-esteem, perfectionism, people-pleasing, ego, and dishonesty. The truth is that I do have experience, strength, and hope to share, and that I am thin. God, please help me to let go of what others think of me as it's none of my business. Please lift my ego and help me focus on being of service and carrying the message instead of impressing people and getting them to like me. Please help me accept that I'm a human being and that I will never be perfect. I may forget to do something at work, and I'm still going to be okay. And that, for me, is so, so helpful because it's like my higher power reminds me that even if my fear does come true, I'm still going to be okay. You know, and... There's part of me that feels like in my fear, because fear for me is lack of faith. And so while I'm in fear, I'm not in faith. And I have this, my fear is that my higher power is going to drop me. But my higher power has never dropped me, ever. You know, my higher power will always be there for me. You know, I just have to let him in to offer that help. And, um, and I forget that sometimes with my fear, and I need to remind myself of that. And you know, my, one of my first sponsors gave me this really amazing analogy about faith and trust because she's like, Greg, you have faith in your higher power, but you don't trust your higher power. And I didn't really understand what she meant by that. And she gave me this great analogy. And she said, imagine, you know, you and your higher power up on Niagara Falls. And I'm like, okay, this sounds stupid. Um, <laughs> and so we're up on Niagara Falls. And there's a tightrope going from one side to the other side. And my higher power has a wheelbarrow. And he says, turns to me and says, Greg, do you think that I can push this wheelbarrow across the tightrope and make it to the other side? And I'm like, well, yeah, of course you can. You're God. And he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, you can definitely do it. And then he's like, well, get in the wheelbarrow. And to me, that's the, di- the difference between faith and trust because I have faith that my higher, that the higher, my higher power is going to get to the other side, but I don't trust him to actually take me there. And so there are days when I am in that wheelbarrow and I am sleeping and he's pushing me across the falls. And there are days when I'm on that wheelbarrow and I'm clutching the sides of it and I'm shaking. And there are days when I'm not going to get in that wheelbarrow. And the days I don't get in the wheelbarrow suck. And the days when I'm in it and I'm having faith and trust, it's a great day, you know, because I'm not living in that fear. And so that to me was just so incredibly helpful because I forget that, that, you know, I have to have that faith and trust. And when I don't have that faith and trust that things are going to be okay, I ask for it. Like, God, can you please help me have 100% faith and trust in you that I'm going to be okay? And that to me is super helpful. I also... some. I also like to write out fear chains because um, sometimes I'll have like a random fear. Like I wrote, I wrote out one recently around my job because I have a lot of fear around my work and around not being good enough. And the interesting thing is that it's completely dishonest. Like I have all this fear about getting fired for my job. I just got a raise and a promotion. And it's like, (laughs) 
you know, but like the disease tells me that I'm not good enough. And so then I go into that place of I have fear when, you know, fear is false evidence appearing real is what I hear in these rooms. And the evidence is that I'm good at my job. They wouldn't have given me a promotion and a raise if I wasn't, but I still hold on to that fear of, thank you, of not being good enough. And so I wrote out a fear chain, and it's, it kind of starts with what my, my fear is, and then what's the next fear behind it, and then the next fear behind that, until I get to, like, the root of it. And so I wrote, I'm afraid I'm not good at my job. I'm afraid I'm not pleasing my boss. I'm afraid I'll get fired. I'm afraid I won't be able to find another job. I'm afraid my partner won't want to be with me because I can't get another job. I'm afraid I'll break up with me. I'm afraid I'll have to move out and won't be able to afford another place to live. I'm afraid I'll end up homeless and alone. All right. Well, there we go. <laughs> it's like, all right. And then what my sponsor has me add on at the end is that even if I end up homeless and alone, I'm still going to be okay because I'm going to have my higher power with me. And... um and to me, that's also really helpful because it gets right to the root. And um, another thing that I do around fear um, to help me with it is I, when I'm going to do something hard, like I do, like I said, I pray, but then I also bookend. I will call someone else in program and say, okay, I have to have a conversation with my partner about something that I don't want to talk about, and I'm going to call you when I'm done because I need a little bit of support. And... I need a little bit of accountability because I don't always want to do these things. But, you know, like I'll text this person or many people sometimes and, you know, they'll send me encouragement and I pray and then I do it and then I text them and I'll call them and let them know how it went. And to me, that's really helpful because I need extra support. And, like, I, f- I feel like for me, like, this is, I really don't want to be doing anything by myself. You know, I need me, I need God, I need my sponsor, and hope. Hopefully other people too. <laughs> because left to my own devices, my own way is not always the best. So I always like to, you know, check in with other people as well. And you know, knowing that I have the support and encouragement of other people also helps me to, you know, to take that action through fear. And um, I also am a big believer in literature and I love for today in Voices of Recovery because you can go to the back and look up fear. And there are a whole bunch of readings on fear. And if you go to Voices of Recovery, there's like twice as many. But this is my favorite fear one. It's from July 14th. Excuse me. And I read this one when I'm in a place where I'm like, I can't fucking do this. Like, who are you kidding, Craig? And I'm scared shitless. And I'm like, I can't do this. And and this this helps me. This encourages me. And this is um, July 14th. Uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, you gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. You are able to say to yourself, I live through this horror. I can take the next thing that comes along. You must do the thing you think you cannot do. The inability to face my fears was one of the primary contributing factors of my illness. If I did not look fear in the face, I would not know what it was made of. And if I did not know my fears, I would not feel them. Compulsive overeating did an admirable job of helping me bury my fears alive. The OA program excels in helping us deal with our fears. One small step at a time, we discover what terrifies us, pass through it, and go on with our recovery. Enlisting the help of a sponsor and using the other tools is an effective way to begin facing fear. For today, the help I need to deal with fear is available in the 12-step program, the OA members, and the tools. Am I using that help? And to me, this is just really beautiful. And I like to read it when I'm feeling 
overwhelmed by fear. And it just reminds me that, like, I do have resources available to me. Like, I'm a person who isolates. And so sometimes I forget that there are other people here who will help me if I ask them. And I can ask my higher power, too. And um, one other thing that helps me with writing, uh, without, with doing, another writing way that helps me deal with my fear is, um, you know, it's probably about maybe two years ago or a year and a half ago, I can't recall, um, where I was uncertain on whether or not I wanted to leave my partner. And I had lots of feelings about this, and I felt like I needed a break. And I was overwhelmed with fear because I didn't know what, like, how do I even bring up this subject? And, um, you know, my sponsor suggested, well, just write out everything that you would want to say to him. And so I wrote it out, sent it to her, she looked it over, made a couple of suggestions. I sent it to my other sponsor. He looked it over, made a couple of suggestions. I, and then I went ahead and edited it, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I did temp step after temp step. I called fellows. I read it to fellows. And, um, and then I read it to him. And, you know, one took it as well as one can take it. And, um, and it was okay. You know, it was one of those things where you know, we then decided to, you know, to take a break and, you know, we are still together now. We worked it all out, but, you know, it was like one of the scariest things that I, that I've had to do is, is, you know, we'll really look at, do I want to be in this relationship or not? You know, and, uh, it was really scary. And, um, you know, I moved to another city during that time because I needed time away and I did a lot of writing and a lot of like thinking about and praying of what is it that I really want and ultimately decided that I did want to be in that relationship. And, um, and it was really super scary. But, you know, what, what, I think what was scarier to me was the alternative. Is, you know, for me it's like not acting because I'm afraid or acting, because, I should say, not taking action because I'm afraid or taking action because I'm afraid has never worked out well for me. You know, when I take action motivated by fear, it just, it never leads me to a good place. You know, for me, it's like, even if it's harder to take the action that, that would work better for me, I need to do that. But, you know, sometimes it's really scary to, you know, to, to be like, you know what, I'm scared, but I'm going to do this and I'm going to rely on the program to help me through it. And this was one of the things that, that I had to do. And, um, and it worked out really well, and I was able to express that to him afterwards. You know, I think it actually saved our relationship because I think we both learned a lot during that break. And so, um, but for me, it was the whole asking for it was was just really huge. And you know, recently I went to my boss and I I told her that I, I wanted to learn new things. I like it to move into a different position at my work. And you know, I wrote about what it is that I wanted to say and what it is that I wanted to ask for and shared it with my sponsor and then prayed, bookended, went into the situation, prayed as I was walking in the door to her office, prayed as I was sitting down at the table, prayed before I opened my mouth. So, all right, God, you do the talking because I don't want to fuck this up. And, um, it, and it worked out. You know, I said what I had to say and then she started talking and then I'm like, Grant me the serenity, grant me the serenity, grant me the serenity, because I was freaked out a little bit, and it worked out okay. You know, even if she had, thank you, even if she had said, no, 
I still would have been okay. You know, and I left that situation knowing that, like, I took this action for myself that was scary. And I felt like, I felt really, like, proud of myself because it was scary to do. But it, it felt really good to know that, like, okay, you know what? I have, I'm having more self-confidence now. I'm having more self-esteem. I'm able to ask for things that I want. And that, to me, was really new. And, you know, I've heard in program that when you do, um, we get self-esteem by doing esteemable acts. And for me, asking for what I need and asking for what I want and taking care of myself are all esteemable acts, you know, even if other people don't like them, you know. And, um, and I got to do that. And I'm just so happy that I have these, these steps and the tools because I feel like, you know, I'm still fear-based, but now I, I'm a more equipped to deal with it. And I'm able to show up for my life in ways that I just never knew. I mean, I'm still in my relationship. I'm in a new job. You know, I had the opportunity to live internationally for two years. Like I would have never had that before. I spent my entire life waiting for me, waiting to get to that perfect weight so that I could live. And I was too scared, thank you, too scared to do anything because I was too busy waiting because I couldn't, I couldn't possibly go on that vacation because I'm too fat. You know, what are people going to think of me? Um, you know, I can't go on and ask for, a, you know, a raise or a promotion because, like, I'm not good at my job. And what are they going to think of me? And it's like, you know, I've learned in this program that, like, what other people think of me is none of my fucking business. You know, I can go on and ask for what I need and, I, and I've got the support to do that. And so... I'm just grateful for this program. I'm grateful to be abstinent. I am grateful to be able to hear and share my experience check on hope with you all. So thank you very much. Okay, I will now draw questions from the Ask a Basket for up to five minutes. Paul, would you mind timing me still? Sure. Great, thank you. Uh, have I ever had panic attacks? If so, what helps? Um, you know, I have not had panic attacks and abstinence, so I really feel like I can't answer this question. I don't have the experience, strength, and hope in that. Uh, I would suggest talking to um, to other fellows. Holy shit, there's a lot of questions. <laughs> Did it take you a long time to do your four-step? Was it, was it hard to ask for a sponsor? Um, you know, the first time around, I relapsed on my four-step, so I had to stop it, and I was in relapse for a while, and then I came back, and after I came back from my relapse and started working on my four-step again, I probably finished it in maybe, I don't know, six to eight weeks of five minutes a day was what I was working on it. And um, it was not hard for me to ask for a sponsor because I was so desperate that I just went up to somebody and I asked them. Well, actually, what really happened is I was with a friend at a meeting, and he said, she's going to be your sponsor. And then I went up to her later, and I asked her to be my sponsor, and she said yes. (laughs) (laughs) So it's one of those things, pray and then do it. What was your biggest fear about losing or gaining weight? You know, I've done both in abstinence. My biggest fear about um, gaining weight was that I wasn't going to stop, you know, because I had to gain I had to gain some weight in abstinence, and I was afraid I was just going to get really fat again. And I was going to hit my top weight. Um, my fear about losing weight is that I'm not going to want to stop. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> 
And I, you know, addressed that by having a food plan and by following it and committing it to my sponsor. Have you had to face fears that came true? How did you work through it? Fears, homelessness, pettiness, abandoned. Um, you know, I did. Probably my fear that came true was I'd, I'd hurt my back and I had um, some really really incredibly bad back pain and I ended up having to have surgery and being out of commission for a while. Um, so that was, that was a, a fear of mine that did come through and I worked through it by, you know, praying and writing and calling my sponsor and I would go to meetings and I'd lay on the floor and just listen because I couldn't sit in a chair. So I would lay on the floor in the back of the room so nobody would fall over me. And uh, that's kind of how I made it through that. What do you do when you're between sponsors? Um, what I, when I'm between sponsors, well, actually, I, I don't. I've, I've actually never been between sponsors. When I'm not hearing from somebody or um, I call somebody and I ask them to be my temporary sponsor immediately because I can't be, I can't be sponsorless. I need to, to have a sponsor. So when I haven't had a sponsor, I know that like I was in my relapse when I had a sponsor and it was just it wasn't pretty. I was sponsoring myself. And for me, that wasn't a good idea because I would say, yes, eat whatever you want. That's a great idea. So um, you know, when my sponsor is not available um, – you know, she had a family emergency and was out of pocket for, you know, like, a, I don't know, three weeks or a month. I got a temporary sponsor. So I just asked somebody, hey, my sponsor's not returning my calls or not available for a while. Can uh, you sponsor me temporarily until I can find somebody who's available permanently? Because I cannot be sponsorless. Why do you believe that you will still be okay even if your fear comes true? How do you have or develop tr trust and faith in your higher power. Uh, for me, I've developed trust and faith in my higher power pretty much. Um, this is such a good question. Um, I've never had trust and faith in my... Oh, I'm done. Do I have time to wrap this one up? Okay. So I didn't have any trust and faith in my higher power when I came into this program. I knew there was a God, but God hated me. And everything that God did to me was to punish me. That was my original belief in my higher power. And um, I had to work the steps around it. I did this dance of one, two, two, two. My sponsor made me do step two like three times. Um, and, and it took me time to develop this trust and faith in my higher power. And I had to write a job description for my higher power of exactly everything that I wanted to do and be in my life. It was kind of like, and I shared with this earlier, it was kind of um, like a Mr. Potato Head, like where you can get put the parts wherever you want and it can be whatever you want it to be and that was kind of how I did my higher power it's like I talked to other people and I, I heard what was working for them and I stuck it in my higher power I'm like I want a higher power that loves me unconditionally that is um, caring and compassionate and is always supportive of me and always available for me and so that's what I wanted and then I prayed for the willingness to believe it and I did that every day until it actually started to happen and it took a lot of time. I did a lot of acting as if. And I also put a little piece of paper in my pocket that talked about all my higher power's assets, like everything that my higher power was and wasn't. 
And so every time something that I didn't like happened, like if one of my fears came true, I could pull it out and said, well, my, it says right here that my higher power is loving and kind and compassionate, and he's not cruel and punitive. So even though this fear came true, it must be because he loves me. It must be because this is a gift for me. Uh, rather than something that's done to me. And so it really helped me to kind of change my perspective on it. Because ultimately, like, my higher power knows better for me than I do. And so like, even if I'm not understanding what's happening to me, or even if my fear does come true, I have to trust that uh, this is for a reason, and that it's going it's to it's be okay. And that for some reason, my higher power wanted me to have chronic migraines for two and a half years and have chronic back pain for two and a half years at the same time. You know, for some reason, my higher power wanted me to have that. And I like to think of it as, you know, my higher power wanted me to have that because he wanted to show me that I could be absent through anything. And now I actually have sponsees who deal with chronic pain. And so maybe he was just showing me like, look, you can be absent through this. And now you can share how you did that with your sponsees who are suffering. And you know, so I don't always know why things are happening, but like I have to have that trust and faith in God that it, that it, it is okay and it will be okay. Because if it's not, I'm fucked. Because I'm not going to want to take step three if I don't believe that. So there's a lot more questions here. So I, I'm happy to talk to you after the meeting if you didn't get your question answered. But now we need to um, move into shares. Um, We'll now have three-minute shares. Please stick to the topic and stop sharing at the end of three minutes. And please, there is a um, release, so please sign that um, under the 5 o'clock line. And will you continue to? Great, thank you. Who would like to share first? And you do need to come up to the microphone so everyone can hear you. Oh, just that you're okay with being Are these recorded. just podcasts for the main OE website? Is that what you mean? Yes. Okay. Putting them on CNN or something? No. Yeah. <laughs> no CNN. <laughs> do we need this? Yeah. We don't need a mic. Uh, my name is Diane. I'm a compulsive overeater. And, uh, oh, I do. Okay. Sorry. There we go. I can talk a lot if I want, though. Um, <clears throat> uh, love this topic, and thank you so much. Uh, fear has run my life, too, I realized. And... Recently, I sometimes have struggled with my abstinence. Some big things happened in my life, and I kind of got off my abstinence game. I'm back on it, and when I got on it, of course, I got more clarity. It always works that way. And I don't have the answers yet, but I guess I'm grateful that I'm seeing the problems in more clarity. Like, what happened recently was I was walking in nature and having a beautiful, peaceful walk out in the middle of marshlands where I live, and I wasn't playing music, and I wasn't talking in my cell, and I wasn't whatever wasn't doing anything and I was feeling wonderful and for me this is not normal because usually I want a little distraction because I have a fear of being alone it's kind of an existential thing some people fear wolves or the boogeyman or whatever no me I just fear me you know being alone it's it's um I've had it most of my life and I realized that something's happened it's been lifted maybe it's recovery maybe it's getting older and it made me realize with some grief how much I've walked around with low or high-level fear all of my life. And I've had direct fears, like when I was a child, of people being mean. And um, I used to get sick to my stomach. I was so afraid of some of the mean girls when I was in, like, fourth grade, nine years old. And, like, I used to, not, I used to sometimes fake stomach aches at home because I didn't want to go to school. I wouldn't tell my mom I was afraid. I'd say I was sick. And... Um, and, and, you know, it went on. Then I learned to party and do, 
get into addictive behaviors around food and sex and various things. And in my late teens, early 20s, I was a hippie and all that. And that kind of med- self-medication, you know. But since working on abstinence, more things have become clear. And, and you know, now I have a new level of dealing with fear. It's fear of intimacy. I was just at the uh, relationships workshop. And I realized I say I'm alone or lonely sometimes, but really some part of me would rather stay home in my little cottage with my cat watching TV. Thank you very much. Uh, so um, I have some work to do. I don't know the answers yet. I know it's in the steps and the program. That's one wonderful path, maybe therapy as well. And um, and I feel willing to like open up to find some help and talk more to my sponsor about it. But I've always had fear at varying levels. I've also luckily had some fun and joy and productivity in my life as well. It hasn't all been staying home, you know, with the cat. But <laughs> so I just appreciate this topic, and um, I'm looking forward to looking at into the program for more support around this. I need to. Thanks. Oh, I have to sign this. Hi, my name is Blake, and I'm a compulsive eater. And I'm terrified. Um, I realized what brought me to the program... um, because nothing else could happen to me. And, um, and I realized it because um, I started out life deaf. I started out life in an alcoholic family. I started out life with abusive family. I had all of that. I had a terrible childhood. Yet I was determined to get out of it. I was not going to be like that family. I was not going to do their thing. And all everybody would talk about their greatest fear is that they would lose their job, they would lose their health. They would lose this and that, and they would be homeless. And I got hit with chronic fatigue. I am deaf, and um, although you can't tell by the way I speak, um, my heart is beating like crazy right now, but um, I lost everything. And what I realized is there wasn't any bottom I could hit where my family would show up. But there was plenty of places where program would show up. And at the time, I wasn't in OA. At the time, I was in another wing. Um, and I got all kinds of support, but I kept saying, where are you, God? Where, how are you going to show up and help me with this? And I remember sitting in a meeting, and I literally had no idea where I was going to sleep, what I was going to eat, um, if I could get batteries for my hearing aids, um, if I could even keep my hearing aids, if um, I was sleeping in a car um, in the Midwest with my dog, and it was 30 below zero. And I had absolute serenity. And I had absolute serenity because I knew there was nothing else that could happen to me. There was absolutely nothing else that could be taken away from me. And the only thing I could do was wake up each morning and say, where do I go? What do I do? Because I want to live today. And I will take anything you can give me. And it's taken a long time to get some of my health back. And it's taken a long time to realize that I hear, I see that. And it's taken a long time to realize that if I really want to get over those last fears, that beyond the unreasonable ones to get to the reasonable one, is I have to get abstinent and stay abstinent. And I have to tell people, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to tell you that I don't feel lovable today. And I'm afraid to tell you 
that I haven't been hugged in two days, and I'd like a hug. And I have to get out there and tell people that. And I have to get honest about the squirrely things I do around my food, even if it's abstinent, it's squirrely. So thank you. I'm Leonard. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hello. Um, biggest fear uh, that I've carried a long time is I'm afraid um, that you're going to hurt me. And uh, so I've spent most of my life doing stuff, kind of head that off at the pass. So any sign of disrespect or um, or that you might hurt me, well, then it was time to time to have a fight, time to have a confrontation. Pretty good at that. And um, <clears throat> what I'm realizing is that uh, nobody really gives a shit. <laughs> uh, no, nobody's going out of their way to to hurt me or to um, get over on me, and that. Uh, but that knowledge alone is not going to not going to help me. Like I'm used to operating this way, and uh, uh, one of my biggest fears is that you'll think I'm afraid. And so, like all my life, I've done jobs and um, acted in ways that should look at me. How can I be afraid? I just did that, or how can I be afraid? I just said that, and uh, that's just not serving me anymore. And um, I've got to get a faith in a higher power to keep my mouth shut about stuff. But then uh, what I'm thinking about has got to go somewhere. And uh, I've heard some great stuff, like write about it and talk about it with somebody you trust. And uh, that's what I'm going to do. Thanks. My name is Miriam. Um, I've been uh, fearful from the time I was a little child, and I didn't know what the problem was or why. Um, I got to the point where I um, was wondering all the time, why doesn't anyone like me? Um, and uh, it's taken many years to realize that um, I have ADD, and so when I was a kid, um, my relationships things were inappropriate. Um, I guess now, like my uh, grandson has this um, indirect communication disability. Who knew about those things, And you know, when I was growing up? And um, it was when I got into program... Um, another program, and then this one, that I started being able to speak up at meetings, um, that if someone didn't care for me, that didn't mean that I didn't have to care for them. Um, And that really 
really, really helped me. Program helped me tremendously. Um, it helped me to like myself better. Um, it helped me to look at the crap that was going on in my head and realize that it wasn't always, my self-talk wasn't always healthy. Um, and that really made a big difference. Um, I've gone through a lot of trauma in my life. Um, and one of the things, I got a neuromuscular disease when I had um, a three-year-old. And um, it affected my speech really badly. And so I had to deal with the fact that people would look at me strangely. Um, my children had to defend their mom, you know, in school for, you know, why does she talk so funny? And um, thank God I've had surgeries and stuff, and, and I'm fine. My higher power took care of me. But um, there are a lot of years when the fear of just going out and, you know, having to relate to people was really difficult. Um, so uh, everything... Um, things are better. And I'm just grateful that um, I've come through so many things. People say getting old, well, I was going to use a bad word, but getting old isn't so nice. And <laughs> and the truth is, um, I can look at it in a whole different way, um, because I can see where I've stumbled and had problems and um, and didn't trust myself. I've had job problems because of the ADD. Um, and all I have to do is let my higher power know that I need his help or whatever. And, um, and things will be fine. So thank you. My name's Linda. I'm Kapulso, reader bulimic. I, I like I love being up here at the podium. I really do, because um, I have a fear of not being paid attention to. So I like having I do. So I like having attention, but then unfortunately I feel shame afterwards every single time after I share at a meeting. Um, but yeah, I've been taking notes, and um, if I had to distill everything I've written in my little notebook for this convention to one word, that word would be fear, because that's what I keep hearing people talk about at this convention, about that being something, you know, that the program, um, you know, they want their program to work on that, and just as such a big part of everybody's disease and, you know, character defects, and that was good to hear because sometimes I forget about fear even though I'm completely consumed with it like all the time. And for me, when I think of fear, the, the thing that comes up the most in terms of a situation in my life is my job situation. Um, I have had really intense employment and career difficulties during my life. I feel very sad about it, although I'm grateful I can talk about it because for years I could not even literally at all talk about it. Um, but I can now. Um, and I just work in a service job, basic level that literally high school students, you know, some of my colleagues are high school and college students. I have a master's degree. Um, and I'm so scared to look for a job or consider another career that I've literally done nothing in five years in the five years I've been at this job to do that. And the more time passes, the more I feel the weight of that five years, five years of one day, five years, of, you know, whatever. And um, I, 
it's becoming increasingly, and this is where I'm going to feel like I wish I didn't overshare, but I'm just going to do it. I'm becoming increasingly uncomfortable with the fact that my husband supports me. He's, you know, except for my, you know, however much money I make, um, and he's okay with it, but I'm no longer okay with it because it makes me feel bad about myself. And I'm grateful that in program and abstinence, I could realize that, that, you know, that I, I feel like I'm developing more esteem that it's like, no, I want to contribute to my household, um, like the adult that I am. And additionally, more pragmatically, it's becoming apparent to me, well, my sister reminded me, um, I haven't been worried if something happened to him. This is going to sound horrible because we have life insurance. I'm like, oh, if he died, we have life insurance. What if he becomes disabled? What if he can't work? Um, I don't want to do that to him, not be able to help him. Um, and myself, you know, if I have to become the primary breadwinner. So I'm really glad I'm having these realizations, but I still feel completely consumed by fear to take any action. But where the hope comes in for me is this program. And I have experienced, although it certainly has been imperfect like most of us, but I've experienced some relief from my character defects. Um, and there's no reason for me to think that I will not have some relief from this character defect of fear. And I believe if I stay absent, I keep coming back, that I will find a way to take the actions that I believe my higher power wants me to take. I believe my higher power wants me to be an adult and continue to act more like an adult as my recovery and my life goes on. So I'm just, man, I'm just going to jump off that cliff and believe you people. Um, and I do. So thank you. Do you have time for a one-minute share? Okay. Well, it's now time to close this session. Let's thank all who have done service for the session. Okay, please stay in a joint hand as we close with a unity prayer. Take a moment of silence for all those in and out of the rooms who are suffering. <laughs> Where do I put my hand? I put my hand in yours, and together we can do what we can never do alone. No longer is there a sense of hopelessness. No longer must we each depend upon our own unstable power. We are all together now, reaching out our hands for a power and strength greater than ours. And as we join hands, we find love and understanding beyond our wildest dreams. Keep coming back. It works. Thanks so much. Thanks.